I will intentionally bring you into seminary today. It is the end. <laughs> it is the end of the Global Bible Study. How many of you were there for the Global Bible Study Week? Amen. Did you really enjoy it? All right. So I, I managed to skip two days. Okay, I needed a rest in my life. <laughs> um, but I have been stretched as well. I have been stretched and I love the fact that we will have these interactions. One of the things that we'll be doing for next year very deliberate is before the Lord gives us our own place when he does in his time we want to have at least once every two months if we can afford a month to have a in-person Bible study you know to have an interactive session there are conversations and discussions we cannot do online there are things that need a call and response we're also going to have a time to pray like prayer services as well you know, we're going to come in to ask, just pray. We want to stretch our spirit, man. Amen. Amen. So ask your neighbor, are you ready for 2023? Ask them again, are you ready for 2023? Amen. <laughs> All right, so because today, and for those of you online watching, we love you. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for joining us today and other days. Because we are still in the Global Bible Study Week, I will be... Um, this is the last day, and uh, I want to summarize everything. Not, not necessarily summarize, but also continue Bible study. So I'm not in the preacher's mode today. I've not been in the preacher's mode for the last couple of um, weeks. I've been in the teaching mode, which is not my style. I'm forcing myself, you know. Yeah, I, I'm struggling, really, because I want to scream, but I can't scream. <laughs> Uh, and, and, you know, one of my professors said to me, you know, you just have, you just have to learn it. I'm like, I don't, can't do it. I don't like number one, number two, number three, five characteristics of a Christian life. <laughs> uh, oh, God, help my life. I'm struggling, but we have to do it sometimes to mature the church. Amen. And one of the differences Jesus made when he gave the Great Commission, the Bible says, preach to all creatures that they might believe, but teach that they might observe. So you preach to the unbelievers. The word preach is the Greek word kerygma, which means to proclaim the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. But you proclaim or you teach the church. So for the believers, we are not meant to preach to you. We are meant to teach you. And we are meant to preach to the unbelievers. Amen. We preach, we preach to them that they might peace disbelieve, but we teach that you might observe. Amen. So there are times where I have to put on the doctor of theology. And about times we have to. The title of my sermon this day, or my teaching this day, is Your Eternal Reward Part Two. This is the part, like I mentioned, let me give you a disclaimer for those of you. I pray you don't get confused today. But this is the one teaching that every single person here, it will shake everyone here. Every, I mean, every single person. Because what you want to hear today, you haven't heard it before at all. Okay, now get serious. Get your pen, get your writing part. What I want to say today, you haven't heard it. I'm telling you because I know. Amen. Amen. You know, one of the things I shared last time, we talked about the crowns, right? Yes, the five crowns that were mentioned in the Bible. But I did mention to you that the first thing that happens 
is the catching up of the church, right? The apostle, the rapture of the church. Then when the church is raptured, the first thing that you see is the bema seat of reward, where the crowns will be given, right? I talked about the giving of the crown, but what I didn't talk about is the other part, which is the gathering of the body. Amen. I did not say the gathering of the bride. I said the gathering of the body. I didn't say the gathering of the bride of Christ that will be married to Jesus. I'm talking about the gathering of the church. I will give you the distinction between the church and the bride. These are teachings you may not find, but if you hear it, hear it well. Not everyone who goes to heaven will get married. Now, I like this silence. Okay, so I wrote down some notes because I want to be deliberate. I, gave, I think I gave you guys about 24 ver- scriptures. Over 24, so you're going you're gonna to write today. You're going to write. If you can't write it, watch the replay. Amen. Spirit of a living God, I thank you because the entrance of your word gives light and life and understanding. I pray that as we navigate the text of scripture that your sons and daughters will surrender to the text. I decrease that you might increase, that you might bring forth illumination in your word. And the church is edified and you are glorified in the name of the Lord Jesus we pray. Somebody say amen. Now, I'm going to do some reading here and explain something because some things cannot be just stated. It has to be explained because what you want to hear today will, it will not confuse you because I'm going to give you context and give you scripture. The greatest commentary you can ever find, the greatest commentator in the world is the Bible. Peter writes, Peter says, no scripture is of private interpretation. Therefore, everything that is in the Bible must be translated from the Bible. But first and foremost, be like the Bereans. And what did the Bereans do? They received the word and they searched daily to make sure that all Paul had said was written in the text. So what I want you to do today, be like the Bereans. Before you confront it first, see the scripture and see what the Bible says. I think the greatest challenge we have in the charismatic church is that we rebuke what we don't understand. We demonize what we haven't investigated. And I have been privileged to stand and speak with many charismaniacs. And they bring a defense without critical analysis. One of the things that being a theologian has, has helped me is help me create space and room to learn how other people think. Back in the day, if someone said to me that God is a woman, I'm quick to slap them and turn my back. Being a theologian, when someone said God is a woman, I want to find out why they think God is a woman. And people say to me, Apostle, you are barely on Facebook arguing. The more I mature in the things of God, the less I speak. Because you want to sometimes think how people think. You want to understand why they feel the way they feel. And all this reasoning in scripture is quite healthy for the growth of a believer. Because you will not just dismiss what you don't accept, but you want to investigate. And that's the reason why I have a problem with charismatic people. 
There are two extremes in the schools of thought. We have the Calvinistic people, which are the Reformed people, and the Charismatic people. The Reformed people are so Reformed, they become crystalline. They don't want to change, they don't want to fold, they don't want to bend. What they know is what they know. On the other hand, the Charismatic are very diverse. The Reformed people like what the Bible says and they believe in what the Scripture says. And sometimes they interpret the Scripture from a Calvinistic viewpoint. And say, well, this is what Calvin said. And for them, progressive revelation becomes a demon. But for the charismatic people like you and I, we are very liberal with the text. We don't pay attention to what the Bible says. We try to make the Bible speak in our current dispensation. We try to bend the Bible to make sense in our own time. And the charismatic church, because we are not faithful steward of the integrity of the text of Scripture... We make the Bible say what it wants to say, what we want the Bible to say. So the Reformed guys are highly intellectual people, but no demonstration. The charismatic guys are highly demonstrative, but not in no intellect. So when the charismatic guy is talking, the Reformed don't have, sorry, the when, it, when the Reformed is talking, the charismatic cannot even defend scripture because they have no intelligence, all they have is demonstration. And when the charismatic is talking, about, you know, doing miracle signs and wonders. The reformed are wondering how come these things are happening because their cessation is most of them. But there is a healthy place where we can marry demonstration and intellectualism. The scripture is intelligent. Don't let the one tell you what's the point studying this deep stuff. This deep stuff will open your eyes to mysteries and revelations. There were things that the early apostles did not understand that Paul became the expressor or the mediator of this revelation. The Bible calls it mysteries. No other apostle in the Bible gave mysteries. Paul was the only one who had the mystery of the church, the mystery of the revealed man, the mystery of Christ. Why? This was a revelation given to a man who went beyond the scroll. So why is the reformed guys who like everything is sovereign, 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 sovereignty? And they will spend time to look at the text of scripture. Look at the exegetical value. Look at the summation, the significance, the structure, the setting, the sphere. They do all their home study to give you narratives of the Bible. They have a solid historical traditional account. And that's the reason why 99% of seminaries you find in this nation and nations of the world are Presbyterian and Reformed. And Pentecostal theology, we have less of people who are interested because even those who want to practice continuationism or the move of the Spirit, Cannot even defend from scripture. Where do we stand? We are not reformed to deny the contribution of the spirit. Neither are we charismatic who deny the need for intellect, intellectual conversation. We are in the middle. And what this middle does is that we have demonstration and information. It therefore means that when we cast out a demon demonstration, we can explain for the Bible information. Amen. Because we're not raising people... That, you know, I have had hundreds of debates with Reformed. And a lot of times they'll say to me, why do we not have your type to come defend your stance? But I know the reason why we don't want to defend. Well, I don't know the reason why? I'll tell you. The reason is this. If God is moving through me, what's the point studying it? Why would I want to explain when I can, I can show you? That's where we're stuck. But I like how act is the... Opening theological treatise to the book of Luke, and, and Bible says, The former accounts are made to you, all Theophilus, of what that Jesus began to do and to teach. Demonstration and information is what makes an apostolic church an apostolic church. Amen. 
What makes a house apostolic is one of two, two, two things. One cannot miss. Doctrines and demons. We care about doctrines and we cast out demons. So a church that is highly intellectual and theological without casting out demons is not a church. It's a seminary. And a church that's only about casting out demons but cannot exegete from scripture. The word exegete is the Greek word ek. The word ek means to pull out. The word ice means to impose. Exegete means to pull out the revelation from the scrolls of scripture. You see the reason why people don't like the Bible? Because they haven't encountered the revelation of the scripture. The more you flip your Bible, the more it makes sense to you. The Bible is like a movie, like Netflix. Season one, season two, keep watching, keep reading. And at the end of the day, you become a mastermind. You become an administrator of this revelation. So Paul says to Timothy, before I start into the scripture, study to show thyself approved unto God. Then he went on to say something. A workman, someone who is consistently working, workman who needs not to be ashamed, but rightly dividing. The Greek word for rightly dividing is the word oikonomos. O-I-K-O-N-O. M-O-S. Oikonomos means steward. Means administrator. Oikonomia is what they do. The word oikonomos is from two Greek words, oikia and nomos. Oikia is O-I-K-I-A, which means house. Nomos, N-O-M-O-S, which means law. So the Greek word together is the word the law of the house. So study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman who needs not to be ashamed, but understand the rules of the house. And the rules of the house means understand economy, understand administration. Therefore, as faithful stewards of the scripture, we are meant to be mediators of God's revelation. Are you hearing me, church? We are meant to be the mediators of God's revelation. You and I need to look at the Bible and begin to unveil the mystery in, mysteries in the text of the scriptures. Christians are meant to excavate those hidden treasures found in the soil of the scripture. So to be a faithful student, you have to dig into the text and understand what it says. We cannot afford to be mediocre Christians in 23. We cannot afford to be M, I'll come back. We cannot afford to be, well, I do not know. We must be able to defend the scripture. Say the word apologetics doesn't mean to apologize. It means a defense of scripture. Time comes when you're able to defend everything in the Bible, the punctuations, the power of speech, the figure of speech, every historical account. You become a faithful steward of God's revelation. Amen. You cannot practice a faith that you don't understand the manual. We cannot. You're a Christian, so what is the manual? The word of the Lord. And my prayer is that I invite you into this dimension of revelation. Not as Gnostics. But that's people who are hungry for the depth of God. There is a dimension in God. And I said it the last time during Bible study. That is, we are all called sons in God. But there are dimensions in God. Ephesians chapter number 3, 15 to 17. The depth, bathos of God. Not everyone is equal in revelation. We are all equal in sonship. Does that make sense? When it comes to sons, we are all sons of God. But we are not equal in revelation. There are things that, there are things that you cannot know by prayers. You will know by study. We cannot, we cannot negate study for prayer. Like, Lord God, open my head and put the book. It's not going to work. <laughs> you have to be faithful. Want to be faithful? Faithful steward. What did the Bible say here? Not what I think it says. So that in 2023, you are in love with the text. When you open up the Bible, it makes sense to you. Amen. 
I'm calling for faithful steward of God's revelation. Not conjectures. Not what I think. You are able to track the records of biblical inerrancy. The historicity of the Bible. You understand how this Bible were collated. Like I mentioned before, everything in the Bible is intentional. The mistake is you, not the Bible. Everything, your full stop. If the Bible says full stop, stop talking. If it says, or oh, come and pause and breathe. If it says, or oh, call and understand the intention. If it says the semicolon, the intention and the breath. Understand every word, how it is used in the Bible. And trust me, 23, the devil, let me, the devil will flee from you while you understand God's revelation. Are you here in church? Say to your neighbor, I'll do better. Say, I'll be a faithful steward of God's revelation. People ask me, how come you have all these degrees? Let me, let me tell the truth. I, but my wife, you say otherwise, but I don't want to face her. Let me just look here. I did not back these degrees because I saw a PhD, a THD, and detail. No, I didn't do that. I pursued knowledge, but the knowledge came with a degree. Are you understanding? So I wasn't looking at, oh, it's a PhD. Let me go. I wasn't doing that now. For instance, there's something I'm studying again. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you later. Yeah. It, listen. It is called digital discipleship. It's a PhD program. But I'm not doing it for the PhD. I'm doing it because we're entering a digital age. The world is becoming digitalized. We're looking at the metaverse and the audiverse and the multiverse, not even the universe. And it comes with a degree. I don't have a choice. Sorry, I forgot to tell you later. So, stretch. Somebody says stretch. stretch. We cannot afford to in the morning and just, ah, Lord, what is it today? You have to be intentional. Get a pen. Buy a new notepad. Get a pen. Or get what you call the, your marker, color markers. Get a new Bible. Wake up in the morning. Get a pen. Not, not read and say, I'll remember later. Read with notes. Take note of what you read. Color mark, color code, just read. And trust me, before the end of the year, if you are faithful to every text of scripture, before the end of the year, you are already, catch, you've already understood a quarter of the Bible. I mean, understood. Not understood a quarter. Amen. I'm motivated to read. Amen. We'll do better at 2023. Praise God. Because I was saying to the church one time, there were things the Lord said not to teach the church. I beg the Lord to teach this one. There are things that the church, I cannot teach the church until like five years time. So I have to wait for you to match up into that revelation. Because if I tell you right now, it's going to mess you up altogether. But when we come to a space where we can talk alike, think alike, know alike, when I talk, I don't have to ask you, eh? Eh? You just know, amen. Put your, put your hands together for me, for me. For me. Amen. I don't mean to trouble you. I just want us to get better, get better. Amen. Can I give you one advice that you may not like? But I want to tell you just one more. Social media is good. But if you haven't studied, don't post. Spend time to read, not to post. You know, my, someone said to me, uh, 
You want to hear this one? My rules for sons and daughters when they come to me. If your friend on Facebook is more than your books in your library, don't come to me. And this is my rule. Everyone knows me for that. You cannot have 5,000 friends and four books. I'm not joking. Each time I get a friend request, each time I add, I go on Amazon and buy a book. This is me. I'm not, I'm not joking. You cannot have 5,000 friends on Facebook with some pending and you have five books or four books. For what? You have friends you don't even talk to. You think your value is based on numbers. So I have more pending because I don't want to buy, buy book against I've got some pending friends. They're pending. If your friends are more than your library, you have to rethink it 23. How can you be a believer if you don't have a library? All you have is just NKJV. No books on sanctification, no books on doctrines, no books on relation, no books. You don't study. All you do is just Bible and no relational, no relational, no relational grace. I'm begging you, be deliberate. Some books, some books are one pound. Buy it. How to buy an extra, is it what they call the drive, a one terabyte? Because my, my Kindle, is, my books here are so much, like I don't even know where to put it anymore. How will you not study for 23? And they want to cost change? <laughs> I've told them. <laughs> told them. Anyway, let's go today. So the title of my sermon is, uh, it's interesting how to talk about your eternal reward, but we want to talk about the part two. Which God help us today. Now I'm gonna read this. I want you to hear me out as I read with the read scriptures together, okay? I'm giving you my notes that I hardly do. I had to put on notes three days ago. So the first time in I started preaching, I'm having a note. So I'm giving you my notes so that you will take notes. Because what I want to teach you today, if I just teach without notes, it's gonna be here and there. Amen. Can I start? The next event that occurs in heaven after the rapture of the church and the beamer seat is the gathering of the bride. And the whole idea is to attend the marriage ceremony itself. If you have the scriptures, first scripture we have is Revelation chapter number 19, verse 7 to 8. Let us... Be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. Now, one thing I want you to always follow. It is the wife that makes herself ready. It is a God made the wife ready. Be consistent with that word. Are you following me? And his wife has made herself ready. Another reason why. Let me clarify here first and foremost. The word marriage in the Greek is the word gamos. G-A-M-O-S. Many theologians have misconception with the word gamos. Well, because gamos means wedding ceremony and wedding feast. Same word is used as gamos. But there are two events in the Bible. The wedding feast or the wedding supper is different from the wedding ceremony. Are you following me, church? I will explain to you and also give you the Jewish kind of wedding. How a Jew misses what? There are three steps for a Jewish wedding. So that you understand where you are as a church and understand your reward. Just because you are in heaven doesn't mean that you'll be a bride in heaven. Just because you are in heaven 
doesn't mean you'll be part of the marriage ceremony. Everyone who is saved is part of the wedding feast. But not everyone is part of the wedding ceremony. Are you following me, church? So I mentioned now, the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. Somebody say, I am ready. Now, we know that this is the place in the Bible, this is the place in theology that people don't want to talk about because of the complications. But like, I want you to be like the Bereans, really. To be like the faithful steward of God's revelation. Go back home. Cross your leg. Have your bottle of water and cross-check everything. Act 17.11. And everything that Dr. Oscar has said to them, and this is the part I'm a doctor, by the way. I'm not an apostle today. I'm not a prophet today. I'm wearing my theologian hat today. Critique every word that I mentioned today. Amen. But I think you need to know this, especially as believers. You know the reason why? We've spent so much time talking about your prosperity here, your mansions here, you're going to get married here, you're going to have kids here. We've blessed you on this dimension. But we must be conscious of eternal reality. Be conscious that it's life after this place. So I'm talking about, we're going to talk about heaven and hell. But the time is coming. The church I'm going to talk about, we're going to talk about heaven and hell. Are you following me, church? Now, the word marriage in the Greek is gamos. The word gamos is G-A-M-O-S. You know one of the churches we had in Revelation? Ephesus, Smyrna, Paga, Pagamos. The word Pagamos means it was a church that was married to the state. That was the time of Constantine when the church married the state. Marriage. Pagamos. So the word gamos means marriage. And everyone who is born again... Someone asked me, are you the bride of Christ? Not yet, oh. You're not the bride of Christ yet. You're the body. You're not married yet. You have a ring called the Holy Spirit. It's a seal of promise. You know you're married to Jesus. He will marry you. But now you are being proposed. You're being betrothed to. We'll talk about betrothment in a moment. To betroth. So he's giving you the Holy Spirit of promise. The promise is to come, to come and marry you. But you're first a body before you become a bride. So he will rapture the body, but he will marry all the body. Because what will make you marriageable is this thing. You've kept yourself. That's what we want to talk about today. So that means that you might miss the wedding ceremony, but be part of the wedding feast. Oh, it's getting interesting, right? The word gamos means a wedding ceremony or a wedding feast. Like I mentioned, this, two, this word can mean wedding ceremony and wedding feast. You know. Um, the wedding ceremony happens in heaven. We'll talk about that in a moment. This is the wedding ceremony. Happens in heaven. The wedding feast happens on the earth. The wedding ceremony are those are for those who live sanctified. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, three types of Christians. The carnal one and the spiritual one, right? They will be raptured. They will be in heaven, but they won't be at the wedding. Give me scriptures today. Clear the air about the ten virgins, because a lot of you think the ten virgins went to hell. Okay? Clear the hell. There was no hell there. The word darkness is the word scotus, not Gehana, not Tartarus. Scotus means out of that, out, outside the wedding banquet. First and foremost, they are virgins with me that they are church. The church is always a virgin. And they were waiting. And they had a lamp. 
<laughs> okay, like I said to you, buckle up. Somebody say, buckle up. This study will make you go back again, go back home and sit down and drink water. <laughs> All right. Now, the sequence of the future events that will occur after the rapture, the Jewish wedding is not like the traditional. When I got married to my wife, we did too. We did the traditional wedding that I had to, your apostle had to roll on the floor. <laughs> I was doing the ballet for family, rolling on the floor. Please give me wife, please give me wife. And she was laughing. <laughs> Oh, God. With Bagbada. You know the Kalagbada, this Nigerian native cloth. Like, on the floor. But you see, the, the, the normal wedding will depend on where you come from. You know, I'm not sure the English wedding does traditional. They do white, right? We did two traditional learning than the white wedding. I don't know why they call it white wedding. I'm black. Anyway. <laughs> but the Jewish wedding has three phases. Our readiest phase is so that you understand where you are and how it encapsulates the life of the believer. Amen. The number one is called the wedding ceremony. Write number one, wedding ceremony. If you're not writing, please watch the replay. So I'm taking my time to give you step by step. Make it your duty to turn on YouTube and watch the replay because this will bless you and make you live right. The wedding ceremony, which is called the marriage of the Lamb, occurs in the Father's house in heaven. It, is of, it comes with private attendees. The wedding ceremony is for, you know when you have your weddings, you have invite only. The one in heaven is invite only. So the wedding ceremony has fewer members, fewer people. It is not everyone that will be in heaven. It is for few people in Christ. So the wedding ceremony is for fewer people. That's number one. That's what you find in Revelation chapter number 9, verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give glory to, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. So this happens in heaven, and this is not for the public. These are for just few people. Somebody say few people. Number two, this event is followed by Christ's return to the earth. When Christ has married the church, it returns to the earth. Somebody say returns to the earth. We call this in the Greek parousia, P-A-R-O-U-S-I-A. Parousia means second coming. Remember, he meets the church in the air, takes the church, marries the church, and returns with them to the earth. Then the third one, which is number three, on the earth then becomes the marriage feast. That's number three. Number one, marriage ceremony, private in heaven. Number two, it returns to the earth. And number three, and finally the marriage feast, which is called the marriage supper, which will be held on earth with many in attendance as the millennium begins. The millennium is a thousand years. Now, the word millennium, a lot of times people ask me, but it's not in the Bible. It's actually, the word millennium becomes, is the word kilia. The word kilia, kiliasm was the former name for millennialism. Because the word kilia means a thousand. Kilia is a thousand in the Greek. Millennium is Latin. Are you following church? Yeah. The word millennia is Latin. Remember, Jerome was the one who translated the Greek to Latin Vulgate. So what people call millennium was family called kilia. C-H-I-L-I-A. Kiliazim was 1,000. So back in the Greek time, they were called kilias. So people, like, people that believe in the 1,000 year reign of Jesus are called kiliast. So 
let me give you the, 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 the explanation again. The marriage ceremony happens in heaven with a few people, right? Then the bridegroom and the bride come on the earth, come to the earth, and then they do the marriage feast with everybody, which is called a reception. Amen. Reception is for everybody. You know that, right? But the people that would be there to do the solemnization are for just for family members. Those on the earth will include those that were not married in heaven because they didn't pass the test I will show you in a moment and the Old Testament saints that will resurrect. So those on the earth will be public. It is for everyone who is justified by faith but not necessarily in Christ. Calm down. Easy. We get there. Amen. Are you ready? Are you ready? Let me wrote, I wrote something here. Now, the marriage supper includes the friends of the groom. Somebody said the friends of the groom. Now, let's look at the book of John chapter number 3, verse 29. John 3, 29. If I give you this, I'm not sure I gave you that part, but let's see if you had the part. Oh, it's good. Now, this was, look at it. This was John writing about John. Now, John the Baptist is not the writer of John. Amen? John the Apostle did John. All right? So, what John the Apostle wrote? He who has the bride is with is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. The scripture gives us the bride and the groom's friends. Are you following me? John the Baptist is a picture of the Jews. Have you read Revelation chapter number 12? The woman who was pregnant. You know, do you know who she's pregnant with? You know the dragon is? The devil. She was that woman is not the church. If she's pregnant and the church, the church is in trouble. The church must be a chaste virgin. So that woman is not the church. That woman is Israel, pregnant with Jesus. If that was, uh, that was the church, the church did not give birth to Jesus. Israel did. Amen. The church is the bride. Israel is afraid of our brethren. Are you following me, church? We're going somewhere. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him. So the friend of the bridegroom stands and hears him. They don't have Jesus. They hear Jesus. But Jesus is married to the church. The church is not the spiritual Israel. Israel has a destiny and a future. The church has its destiny and the future. The mistake you find in the Old Testament, people say stuff like the assembly. The word assembly in the Old Testament is the word kahal. Q-A-H-A-L, which means assembly. It is different from the ecclesia. The word ecclesia is the word ekkalio. Ek means to bring out, kalio means to call. To call at once. You are special. The ecclesia is always in Christ. Israel is not in Christ. Israel gave birth to Jesus. The ecclesia is the wife of Jesus. Are you following me, church? Yes, Understand these distinctives will help you clarify what they call supersessionism or replacement theology. We must be walking episodes. We must walk the text. All right. Now, those believers whose works pass, remember when we read in chapter number 3 of the book of 1 Corinthians, 
We talked about gold, silver, stone, hay, wood, and straw. Now, see what it says, what I said here. Those believers whose work passed the baptism of fire at the Bema seats of judgment that we read before, and who are deemed ready, are worthy, and prepared, will obviously attend both the wedding ceremony and the wedding feast. Let me help you explain this. Silver, gold, and silver, gold, and stone, and uh, the other parts as well. Those whose work passed the fire will both attend the wedding ceremony in heaven and the wedding supper on the earth. Those whose work did not pass the fire will not attend the wedding ceremony in heaven, but they will attend that on the earth. Because it is only those whose work pass fire, catch this, are the bride. They are the body, but not the bride. The body is everyone who sees Jesus as Lord and Savior who is born again. The bride are the set of people in the body that were ready. Let me even go there before I go there. The body is the ten virgins. The five that is wise is called the bride. They were all ready for marriage. They were all waiting. But one had something that the other didn't have. What is it called? Extra oil. The word extra oil. In fact, the word number ten in the Greek means completion. The church. The extra oil that they didn't have. What's that in the Greek? That's a state. That's a figure of speech. That extra oil means perseverance. It means crushing. They didn't have extra crushing. They, they were not extra sanctified, but they were in heaven. The first oil took them from to heaven. The next oil did not take them to the wedding chamber. So the five that got into the wedding banquet were those who had extra oil because they were persevered. When Jesus says, I don't want to jump the gun, but I'll read it much later. I do not know you. Go into outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. It is not hell. The word outer darkness is the word skotos. Look at your Greek lexicon. S-K-O-T-O-S. Skotos. Skotos means outside the wedding banquet. Why would they go to hell when they are virgins? Why would they go to hell when they have oil? They had fire too. Is it confusing you now? <laughs> Aaron, do you have notes? Okay, on your phone. Is your WhatsApp off? Okay. I want to make sure that you're not typing and going on WhatsApp. <laughs> All right, are you ready now? You know, I gave you three, I gave you three steps to the wedding, the Jewish wedding, right? Now, we want to explain the three things. The number one, is the wedding ceremony that is private, right? Number two, it comes down with the church. Number three, there is a reception for those that will join in the millennium. All right, let's read the text now. All right. Like I mentioned before, the believers who pass the fire will be both in heaven for the wedding ceremony and the earth on the earth for the wedding supper. Now, it will be the highest honor possible to be a part of the wife of Christ, but also an honor to be one of the king's guests on earth. It's not the wife of Christ. On earth is the guest of the king. Are you following me? In heaven, it is the wife of the bride. On earth, it is the guest of the king or the guest of the bridegroom. So it is an honor for us to be wedded but also be with the king. 
Amen. Everyone who is born again will be with the king forever. But not everyone will be a wife. There are requirements for wife. I've seen engagement break. Have you not seen engagement ring, engagement break before? Yeah, I've seen it a lot. The sphragizo is the ceiling of your salvation, not the ceiling of your marital vows. <laughs> it came to seal your salvation, not to seal your marriage. Amen. All right, to help us understand the sequence of these future events a little more, I want to explain this before you call the traditional marriage. Number one, like I mentioned to you, number one is what you call the marriage ceremony, right? The, 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 a break word is the word erosin. I give them the script, erosin. Erosin or kidashin. It means betrothal, okay? It's called erosin or kidashin. Erosin is E-R-U, that's a mistake, there's meant to be an S there. That's a mistake. E-R-U-S-I-N or kidashin. It means to betroth. You understand how this works, right? Betrothment. A father of the man carries the man and goes to the father of the girl's house and says that my son wants to marry your wife, your daughter. They betroth themselves. But cohabitation is not allowed in this time. So a man and a woman are not legally married, but they are in covenant. It's called betrothment. That was what happened with Joseph and Mary. They were not married. They were in covenant. That's the reason why people are saying, oh, you're pregnant. What happened? Because by reason of betrothment, they are not meant to cohabit together. So cohabitation is not allowed in this time. But what happened in this time is that the father of the man goes to the father of the woman and says that my son wants to marry with your daughter. And they exchange by giving a ring or drinking wine called communion. That is the communion you drink in betrothment. Hold on. That communion you drink in betrothment is different from what Luke said. That I will not drink this one with you until I drink with you in the kingdom. There is another wine that will be drunk by Christ and the, and, and, the, and the people. But for now, this man goes to... So the man goes to the father of the bride and says, My son likes your daughter. And my son likes your daughter. We want to... Let's see if they can get married. So they come into a marital contract. If you've spent time to look at what you call the hupa, or the, it's called the hupa, it's the Jewish wedding, called ketubah and the hupa. It gives you more clarity on the kind of Jewish wedding. Now, it's so what I wrote. Now, the betrothal was called everything or kiddushin. The groom gave his bride-to-be an object of value, such as a ring, such as money, a deed of intention, which is symbolic of a promised wedding. So he's going to give the wife-to-be a ring, promising her that he will come back for her. Are you hearing me, church? That he will come back, so it's like a down payment. I'll come back to you. Now, this provides a legal tie between the two of them. The father of the groom usually paid the bride price. Hello. That's what God did for you. Paid with the son of his blood. The father of the groom paid the bride price, not the woman. It's not by your works that you're saved. The father of the groom paid the bride price. It was a true legal document. This had no immediate effect on their personal stake. It was just a promise for a future union. So what the man does, he comes to the woman's house and gives her a ring and they drink wine, which is to seal their, their covenant. And then he goes back to his own father's house to build an extra room. In my father's house, there were many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. I'm coming back to take you with me. So he goes back to his father's house 
having given her a covenant or something. It doesn't tell her when it's coming back. Are you following me? John chapter number 14. We do not know when Jesus is coming back. But we'll be given the covenant of his spirit. So the first part, it goes away and doesn't tell anybody when he's coming back. But guess what happens? The wife-to-be has a responsibility to keep herself chaste. He's going to meet the woman and saying that, well, my son loves your son. It's called my son. No, no way. My son loves your daughter. Amen. That whole thing is called justification. When there's an exchange of covenants. See what happens when he goes there and says, my, my son loves your daughter. It's called dikayo, justification. That's where you get, you know, you talk about being born again. Now, it is the duty of the woman to transfer her allegiance from a father to a husband-to-be. While she's preparing. Guess what she's doing? While she's waiting for the man to come. Should I tell you? She is making her own wedding gown. Her own. And as we read in Revelation, she came in her own. She's making her own wedding gown, pending when the man will come. She's walking and keeping herself chaste, pending when the man will come. And I wrote this as well to give you context. After this ceremony, the bride remained in her father's house to prepare for the day her groom would come back to marry her and take her to his house or some special room he had built. Cohabitation was forbidden at this time, and the bride must remain a virgin. The day she breaks her virginity, she stops being a bride. So note to all men, she must remain a virgin, remain chaste. Using this time to prepare for a marriage. In other words, the bride must make herself ready. Somebody say, make herself ready. The bride must be intentional. She must know that her husband is coming someday. And you are the bride of Christ. And you are God's body. You must know that your husband is coming someday. It's not just to sit down and do nothing. It's to be ready. I'm going to ask you today. How many of you have started making your wedding gowns? How many of you are being chased and ready for the master to come marry you? Is you being ready? Etiomus. I'll talk about the etiomus in a moment. Ready. Why the master, why, why we being betrothed to, to God? We must be waiting. But at this point of waiting, we transfer our allegiance. Now, this preparation meant making our own wedding gown, getting ready for a new role as a wife, transferring our allegiance from a father to a new husband, going from the familiar to the unfamiliar, and from departing on family to depending on our husband, departing from the world. And going to your, father, your, your husband. Departing from the cares of the world. You change your allegiance. No more worldly stuff now. I'm depending on him. Amen. Amen. Learning to love him and setting her mind on how to please him. That's our posture as believers. We set our minds to please Jesus. That's what we are doing on the earth. Alright. Now during this preparation period. The bride is referred to as consecrated. In the period that her husband has gone to prepare a room. She's called consecrated. That's her name, the consecrated one. 
is called agios in the Greek. Agios, H-A-G-I-O-S, means holy or sanctified. So while she's waiting for her husband, she's chaste and sanctified. She's called the consecrated and she's set apart. She always wore a veil. That's how you know them. They wore a veil. A veil was a picture of I've not been touched by a man. She wore a veil. Well, thank God for that thing. That is happening today. Wearing a veil. Wow. Show that she was engaged and she was committed to her husband-to-be. Amen. So we realize that the father of the, of the groom had come to pay the down payment. Now she is waiting for the man. The number two part. The second part of the ceremony was called the Nisuin. N-I-S-S-U-I-N. The Nisuin. The Nisuin or the marriage ceremony itself. What is the difference between the first and the second? The first one, the man comes and pays, right? She's waiting. Now he's coming to marry. It's called the marriage ceremony. The groom often surprised his bride by his own expected or early return. So remember the wife has been waiting or the bride-to-be has been waiting all this while. Doesn't know when the man will come. She's waiting. She's waiting. She's waiting. She's waiting for when the man will come, but the man will come unannounced. There is no sign for the coming of Jesus for his church. It comes unannounced. But the church's responsibility is to wait. Amen. Amen. Now, all Jewish brides were said to be stolen. When the man comes unannounced, the word is called stolen. That word is another fancy or coin word for taking up, raptured, stolen. So while she's waiting, this guy comes unannounced. But let me tell you the good thing about this waiting. To study the life of the Jewish people, you understand. The man where he's coming for his bride unexpectedly doesn't come to her house. When he's coming to the woman, from afar, it's like Chinese whisper. The, bride, the bridegroom comments, make way, make way. The bridegroom comments, make way. From a distance, they start shouting. The bridegroom comments, whoa, 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 whoa. make way, make way. When he shall come, he shall come with the sound of an archangel. Hold on. The bridegroom comments, make way, make way. Catch this. He doesn't come to her house. The news reaches her in her house. And she comes out of her house to meet him halfway. So he meets us in the air. It doesn't enter the woman's house. It doesn't touch the earth. It meets her in the air and take her from there to his father's house. That is the difference between the rapture of the church where he steals the bride or takes the bride and then they will come back to the earth where you have the marriage supper. Amen. Amen. So the second part is that there's a noise. Woo, 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 woo. Make way the bridegroom comes. Make way the It comes with the sound of an archangel. That is the sound that prepares the woman to come out. And then he comes and meets her in the air. The same thing happened when he was going down to Jerusalem. The Bible says while he was there, he went there and then came back again. He didn't go into Jerusalem. And they spread their stuff on the floor. Why is this important? This is the part that he takes the church. This is the part that he takes those that have been waiting. This is the part that you and I will be taking. This is the part. Remember, they are all potential brides. They are not all brides yet. He hasn't known he'd have slept with other men. It just came for what he paid for. We're going to find that soon. 
if they really kept themselves for him. So Christ is going to come. He's going to come for us. He's going to rapture us to heaven. He's going to be the son of an angel. He's not coming to marry you here. He's coming to take you up here in, to heaven to see what your gown looks like. If it's without sprinkles or stain, it's going to be evaluation of the gown. Okay, you didn't really wait. Well, you are saved. You've just, you'll be, you'll be saved, but, but of as fire. Okay. Now, the wedding ceremony was held. The wedding ceremony was held at the groom's father's house. It was held at the groom's father's Remember the groom's father's house. In my father's house, there were many. I go to pre prepare a place for you. I'll come back. John 14 spends time. Now, and usually included a few invited guests. At this time, a series of benedictions are made, and the couple are made husband and wife. At this time, when the bride comes, the, the Jesus comes and takes the church, there are two types of people that, have that, 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 that appear here. The first people, look at my face, let me explain this. When it comes with the son of an archangel, it doesn't come for marriage. It comes for gathering. It is in heaven when he has checked them out in marriage those that are, that are chaste. So the body of Christ will go with him. But only those who qualified will become a bride or a wife. So rapture, rapture is not the ultimate Rapture means entering. Bride means inheriting. All of us will go to heaven because we are saved, but all of us will not inherit the same thing. It is those that are chased on the earth that will inherit. The swing means the marriage ceremony. Kedashin and heresin means the betrothal. Now they are married. Now that they are married, the third part. The wedding ceremony was then followed by seven days of celebration. That was when Jesus went to Cana of Galilee, chapter 2 of John. The one that is public is called the marriage supper or the marriage feast. And it's, everyone is invited. Every single person is invited. And finally, a marriage feast happens, but it happens in heaven. Somebody say in heaven. Catch what I want to read. I want to read this as an overview. The salvation of our spirit is called justification. Which, the seal, which is the, with, with the seal of the Holy Spirit and is analogous to the betrothal of the Jewish bride, our salvation. When the man marries the woman, when the man goes to the woman's house, it's our salvation, right? You're, you're born again, okay? It's the betrothal of the Jewish bride with the down payment, a pledge of a seal, which is an object of value. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 to 27. Let's read that quickly. Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 25 to 27. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. 26. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. 27. That he might present. The word might here is a big word in the Greek. The word might is found in the Greek. The word might is found in 2 Corinthians 11.2. The word might in the Greek means probable. It's not as short. It's probable. That he might present her to himself. This is probable. The one that is assured is you going to heaven. The one that he presents you to himself is not really 100%. There's the work to be done. Present a glorious church, not having what? 
spot or or any such thing, but that she should be what? And without? Exactly. This, this, this criteria here is marriage. The previous criteria is rapture. So yes, you will go to heaven, but if you don't meet this criteria of being without blemish or wrinkles, you are not marriageable. That doesn't mean that you will not make heaven. And I'll come to the ten, five, ten, ten wise and ten foolish in a moment. Bible says, I will betroth you, I will betroth thee. Let's just read it. Hosea chapter number two. I was going to read it here, but since we have the scripture, let's read it together. Hosea chapter number two, verse 19. The Bible says, I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in loving kindness and in mercy. Amen. So this is the Lord saying he's going to betroth us in that. If you look at 2 Corinthians 11 verse 2. Take more scriptures. 2 Corinthians 11 verse I love how it says might in Ephesians. But what it says in 2 Corinthians 11 too. For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband that I what? Not I will. May. That I may present you as a what? Chaste virgin. Not just a virgin. Chaste one. One that is not, that is ready. Remember the ten, we are all virgins. But five, we are chaste. And you know the reason why they are chaste in a moment. Not because they were not virgins. There's a difference between the five wise and five foolish. The word friend, F-P-H-R-E-N, speaks of life. They didn't have, anyway, let's, we'll go there in a moment. The process of sanctification that we are all in now, as we wait for our lost return, can be compared to the long wait between the time the groom leaves to prepare a place for his bride and the time he returns. Note the importance placed upon the Jewish bride during the waiting period. She must prepare herself for her husband. And preparation is not tongue speaking. Preparation is not having conferences. Preparation is not coming to church. Preparation means being chaste and deliberate about your relationship. That I have been bought with a price. And someday the one who bought me will come and redeem me. We have to be, we can't be callous and carnal. We must be deliberate about our faith. We are believers. We are Christians. We have been, we are, we, we are engaged. You cannot, be, you cannot be engaged and deflecting with the world. That's where we are. I'm married to Jesus. Satan, leave me know, but you are doing no but one night stand with the world. We must be chaste. You see, entering heaven is one thing. In everything, it is another. Entering is because you've been betrothed. In everything, it is because you are chaste. You're a chaste virgin. And when I mean the word virgin, you know what I mean, right? Oh, God. If it's someone who is not cheating with the world, you are married to Jesus, you're not even married yet, you're just, you're pure. <laughs> Amen. Sanctification is a brighter preparation. Getting ourselves ready for a new role. Trans what we are doing right now, transferring our allegiance from earthly things to heavenly things, learning to love God rather than self, replacing our preoccupation with friends and families to make the Lord the most important thing in our lives, 
and finally going from depending upon self and our abilities and our talents and our preaching and our everything to the depending on Christ for everything. As you find in Revelation chapter number 19 verse 7, the bride of Christ must make herself to be ready to be presented to the Lord without stain or wrinkle. Amen. The Jewish groom, catch this, often surprises his bride by coming back early for her. This is analogous of the unexpected return of Christ in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, verse 13 to 18. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, who are dead, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Some say we have hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. 15 said, For this will say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. 716. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. 17. Then we who are alive and remain shall be cut up together. Somebody say cut up together. This word cut up is the word rapture, is the word apazo. Now, the word rapture, people say what we don't find into the Bible, the word is repemio. R E P E M R U R. Repemio in the Greek. The word apazo, sorry, in the Latin. The word apazo, H A P A R Z O, is the word to be cut up or to be stolen. So, those who are alive, obviously, will be cut up together with them in the clouds. To meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. The last verse, 18. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So we see that the bridegroom coming back to take his bride is analogous of you and I waiting for him. The Bible says that when he shall come, that those in, that are dead in Christ will rise up first. And those of us that are alive will be joined with them in the clouds and in the air. And then we're going to have a new body of incorruption. That Bible says that he will come with the sound of an archangel and with the trump of God. And we will meet him in the air just like the Jewish bride will meet a lover coming to meet him. Amen. In the air. Whew. As the procession of the women carrying the lambs to meet the groom when we return reminds us of, of the parable of the ten virgins. I'll come there in a moment. The five wise virgins whose lambs were still burning when the groom arrived, returned were ready and prepared. To, get, to go into the wedding ceremony. The other five virgins were not prepared. They were not prepared, but they were ready. You hear me? The five foolish, the five wise were prepared and ready. The five foolish were ready, but not prepared. Every one of us today, we are ready for the coming of the Lord. Amen. But are you prepared? What made them foolish? was not because they were not ready. What made them foolish from the word moron in the Greek, moros, M-O-R-O-S, because they were, somebody say prepared. Ask your neighbor one more time, are you prepared for the coming of the Lord? You know, when he asks this question, someone says, yes, now I'm prepared. Ready will take you to heaven. Preparation will take you into the wedding banquet. How much time do I have? Let me know what I need to skip. 20? Okay, thank you. 
Now, the seven days of Jewish celebration that you read with the last part, and rejoicing between the wedding ceremony itself and the marriage feast, may be analogous to rejoicing that will occur first in heaven and the wedding at the marriage supper on the earth. Catch this. Catch this. This is the part you want to hear. You want to hear it? Christ will again drink of the fruit of the vine. Luke chapter 22, verse 29 to 30. You know when we take a communion, do you know there was a cup that Jesus did not take? There were actually four cups. And I bestow upon you a kingdom, just as my father bestowed one upon me. This is Jesus speaking in Luke. That you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve. There is going to be a drinking with the Lord at the marriage supper. What he did not drink. You remember this, this scripture? He said, I will not drink this with you. I will drink it with you in my kingdom. That is going to be on the earth with the resurrected saints, public to the people, where we, we all want to fellowship. That is not just the church, because the church would have been married in heaven, and they would not do the reception on the earth, drinking with the Lord Jesus. Amen. So there were two parties for us. Amen. Those of you that like party, that like wedding reception. <laughs> party after party. Every Saturday, one day. You are dancing, Adire, Adire, Ashoe B, Ashoe B, dancing. Be ready, you know. <laughs> be ready. If you like party, better stay chaste. Because trust me, there will be party upon party in heaven. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. In summary, yeah, my time is almost good. I'm going to explain something to the moment. In summary, our justification can be compared to the Jewish betrothal. Our sanctification can be compared to the Jewish woman preparing herself for a future wedding. Our glorification, which is the rapture, can be compared to the Jewish groom coming to surprise to carry his bride away. The marriage of the Lamb in heaven can be compared to the Jewish wedding ceremony. The marriage feast on the earth can be compared to the millennial reign of Jesus. Where we come into the millennial reign of Jesus, celebrating with the Old Testament saints. That's when they will resurrect. Amen. All right, I could talk about the presenting as a chaste bride, but we've talked about that already, be chaste and have no blemish. As you can see from the biblical model of marriage, it was necessary for the bride to prepare our own garment. Somebody say our own garment. In justification, it was done for you. In sanctification, Christ walks with you. Justification, all you did was believe what was done on the cross and you were saved. But in sanctification, it is Christ who walks with you. That word in the Greek is the word metokoi, which means partaker or partnering. In justification, he saves us. Justification is always in the past tense. In justification, he was on the cross. In justification, all you did was believe. But in sanctification, he must partner with you. He must walk with you, if Philippians mentioned. So allowing the Lord to walk with you Gives you the power or the victory over sin. Amen. So to remain chaste, we must allow the Spirit of the Lord walk with us. Somebody say, walk with us. Now, I keep reading. The preparation means that she's making her own wedding gown, getting herself ready as well, like we mentioned before. Now, this was not only for the Jewish wedding, it's also symbolic of the Christian believer as well. Alright? Because the purity of a believer will be seen at the Bema seat. Alright, now Ephesians chapter number 5 verse 27 describes the way the church is to be presented to Christ. That she, rather, rather, that he might present the church to himself, 
a glorious church not having spots or wrinkles or any of such, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Then Paul added something, says that I may present to you in 2 Corinthians 11 2, to Christ as a chaste virgin. Catch what he says again. That I may present to you to Christ as a chaste virgin. Now the word chaste, like I mentioned, is the word agios. Now the word agios is from the word egnos. Egnos is H-E-G-N-O-S, which means to be one single-minded. Egnos, H-E-G-N-O-S, single-minded. Hagios, holy. It means that we are not divided. Amen. You cannot be for the Lord and then be for the world at the same time. Jesus is coming for the one who is sold out to him. And 2023, we must be that kind of believer, sold out. Completely severe ourselves from the things of the world. Amen. All right. So I want to... Now, the reason why I read Ephesians 5 and 2 Corinthians chapter number 11 is because of those two Greek words, might and may. So that he might present you, not that he will present you. What qualifies you for the presentation? Now, that word might and may is conditional. Amen. There were conditions to the presentation. It cannot present you if you are not chaste. We must be holy. We must live holy lives. We must love the things of God. We cannot be careless believers and carefree believers. We must be intentional about our faith. We must love God and love our neighbors. We must do the things that the Lord has called us to do in this time. We must not allow envy, gossip, strife, strife, malice, and all these things kill the body of Christ. We cannot call ourselves Christians and you are waiting for the Lord and the body is wonky because some believers have refused to forgive. We cannot call ourselves that we are believers and you can't be a believer and beefing. You don't talk to your fellow believer. You don't love on your fellow believer. You just get frustrated and angry at someone you call a believer. There is something wrong with you. You're not chaste. Chaste means that I'd rather peace than being right. No, I'm the right. No, no, no. No, for the sake of our faith, I'd rather we have peace and fellowship together than to be right. Amen. I want to read the parable of the virgin. I'm not sure I gave you that scripture, but I'll give you time to bring it out. I'll give you time to bring it out. Parable of the virgin. It's in Matthew 25. Did I give you that scripture? All of the verses. Oh, bless you. Let's see. All right, let's read together. Now, this is the part I want to bring to your attention. Now, follow this very carefully. In chapter 23, it said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, not the church, Jerusalem, the one who kills a prophet. How I would have gathered you as an end gathers a chick, but you were not willing. You shall see me no more until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He came for Jerusalem. They refused him. And he said, you will see me no more until you summon me. And that summon will come during the great tribulation. When he will say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In chapter 24, he gave us what he called the Oliver Discourse. And chapter 24 of Oliver Discourse is different from the book of Mark and the book of John. 
Because in book of Mark, the Bible talks about how it came from the temple. But the Olivet Discourse was mentioned in the, in the, uh, the, the Mount, Mount Olivet. Now, I do this today. No, this is another time. There's no time to explain this. Lord, help me go with speed. In chapter 24, it talked about a few things about coming to take the church and about the, we call it the Olivet Discourse, the rapture. In 25, he begins to give a talent, a, 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 a parable of the 10 talent, parable of the woman, that the word number 10, and, and I pray that you come to understand Greek terminologies and maybe, maybe we might start, we might, I not promise you, we might do like a Greek foundation class 23 maybe pray for my time just to give you so that's foundational and, fu and functional it's just to give you words verbs hard verbs use how to use words the embracing what an hebrew what the hebrew would say what it means sometimes their words are passive speech and we just say it no, we, so i'll give you all this if the time allows me by the grace of god to so 23 now in chapter 25 jesus starts with a parable. Then, which is not the right word because it's a conjunction now. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened, understand similes and likened to ten, somebody said ten virgins. You could have said eight. You could have said six. You could have said four. If you want to split into two. Why not? Why twelve? Why ten? Why not twelve? Why not fourteen to split in two? You know. You can see a lot of things there. Um, I'll tell you what I wrote here as I did a bit of research and asked some Jewish, Jewish rabbis, some professors. Some, yeah. Ten is a number of completion. Which is, the, which is the completion of the church. Whether they are canal, whether they are babies, whether they are mature, is the completion. The number ten means complete. Who took their lamps and went out to meet what? The first thing you want to realize from the scripture. They took what? They all had light. They all, at this moment, they were not foolish. You can't call them foolish here because there was, there was no oil. There was no lack. They all took their lamps. The first thing first, they are virgins. No one has slept. They are all qualified. They are all virgins. So at this moment, there was no fool, there was no, there was no wise. They were just virgins. All of them took their lamps. They all, their own lamps, their own. They didn't take God's lamp. They, took their, they didn't take the bridegroom's lamp. They took their own lamps. Follow me slowly, guys. This will bless you. And they all went out to meet the bridegroom. Meaning, therefore, they were already. Amen? They had their lamps. They were virgins. They went out. They were already. The next verse. Now. The writer, Jesus says, now, let's separate these two types of people. Now, five of them were wise. And five were foolish. We do not know the reason why they were wise or they were foolish. Okay? The next verse. Those who were wise, those who were foolish, took their lamps and took no oil with them. Catch that word, oil. That word, oil. Oil was only gotten from one place in Jerusalem. Only got it from Gethsemane. And you get your oil by crushing. You hear me? Five of them were prepared. Or five of them were ready. But they were not prepared. They, were not, they don't want to be crushed. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
they were ready to meet their bridegroom, but they don't like the crushing, the oil that comes from the crushing. So they were, oh, bridegroom is coming, but I don't want pain. Oh, bridegroom is coming, I don't want to be sanctified. Oh, bridegroom is coming. No, 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 I don't want to, I don't want to pay the sacrifice. I don't want to pay the price. So five of them took their lambs, but it, they had lambs. They were believers. They had lambs. They had oil. They had, they had oil those lights. But they didn't have the product that comes from crushing. The pain that comes from sanctification. They took their lamp. They are born again. Regenerated. But they have none of that. Verse 4. But the wise one in, <laughs> took oil in their vessels with their lambs. So they had extra oil. I will explain to you the word Extra oil is ebrazing. The word extra oil used in ebrazing means preparation. It's called kataskauzu. Hold on. Don't bring it out yet. It's ebrazing. That's why you call etionos. Okay, let's, let's wait. The wise took oil in their vessels with their lampstands. Just five. Let's keep reading. The Bible said, but again, why the bridegroom was I would say, hey, the rapture hasn't come. We're still waiting. We're still waiting for him, right? He's still delaying. Why the bread, they all, what did they all do? Not the five, not the four. They all slept. They were not foolish before because they slept, because the, the wise ones slept too. They had one thing in common sleep. Christ is delaying. They were, oh God, becoming weak in their faith. Even those that are. Even those that are wise are sleeping as well. Like some of us are sleeping, right? But we are saved. But we are sleeping. Those the spiritual, the spiritual one and the baby ones, we are sleeping. Because, apostle, you keep preaching Christ is coming, Christ is coming. Yeah, it's delaying. So they all slept. They had one thing in common, sleeping. Cash, let's keep going. And they slept. Verse 6. Follow the scripture slowly. And at midnight, like I mentioned before, the bride always come and announce. At midnight in embracing means the most critical time. Time of pitch darkness. At midnight, a cry was heard. When it shall come, it shall come with the sound of an archangel. A cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom comment. The bridegroom comment. Go out. Like I told you before, you always go out to meet him. He doesn't come and meet you. Go out to meet him. A cry. Who made a cry? Not the bridegroom. He will come with the sound of an archangel. Then all those virgins arose. They all arose. They all trimmed their lambs. They all arose. They all trimmed their lambs. Let's go. Verse 8. And the foolish one said to the wise one, Give us some of your oil, for our lambs are going out. Their lambs were going out. The light was going out because they have no oil. They haven't pressed to retain their fire. Their fire is dying out slowly. Please give us your lamp. Please give us your lamp. Our, our, our fire is dying slowly. Bible says, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answer, no. Very selfish people in that way. <laughs> Lest there should be not enough for us and you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for again yourselves. Verse 10. Catch verse 10. And why they went. Why they went 
away to buy. The bridegroom came while they were away. And those who were ready, somebody say ready. ready. It didn't say those who were prepared only. Those who were ready went in with him to the wedding. Catch that. And the door was? It's a wedding door. It's called a wedding banquet. Hell has no door or window. Or Okay, let's leave that. The door was shut. Verse 11. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, do you know what they have when they came back? They had oil. They went to get oil. They found oil. But they got oil at the wrong time. It can be late, you know. At this point, it is late. At this point, they are in heaven. At this point, they are waiting for the Lord. At this point, they passed the Bema seat of reward. At this point, they are now waiting. We've passed the first test, the Bema seat. Now we are waiting for the marriage. Bible says they came saying, Lord, curious, curious, Ephrata, Kai and Yos, open for us. Twelve. But he answered, he heard them, and said, Surely I say to you, I do not know you. Hold on there. I mean, why would he say he doesn't know them when they were waiting? Just imagine you are engaged to a man who doesn't know you. No, 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 no. How can you be engaged to a man who doesn't know you? He knows them to be saved. But he doesn't know them to be relational. The word know here is the word oida. O-I-D-A. Write it down. Oida. Oida means intimate relationship. It doesn't mean ginosko. It means oida. I know you not. It's not saying I do not know who you are. I know you not because I don't have relationship with you. You didn't keep your oil. I don't, you don't love me. There was no devotion. There was no intimacy. You came to church, but I didn't know you. You came to church, but you didn't press into me. Yes, you are saved. Yes, you're going to go to heaven. Yes, you are entering heaven, but you're not inherit in the millennium. You will not inherit. I do not know you to the next verse 13. Bible says, watch. Somebody say watch. I, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Is that the last one? Don't the last one. You don't know when the Son of Man is coming. Verse 14. Okay, this is different, this is different from, from the next one. You know, other translation tells you, come out of this place and go into darkness where there will be what? Weeping. Natural of thee, then all the theologians say, Hell, 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 hell. No translation, no lexicon, no semantic dictionary tells you it's Tartarus, tells you it's Gehenna, tells you it's fiery place. They all say it's Scotus, right? S K O T O S. Scotus means a place of darkness, a place behind the wedding chamber. They didn't go to hell because they are saved already. But they didn't go to the wedding banquet because they were not sanctified. Amen. 
Okay. I want to read what I wrote here. I read from the I took from the vines. The vines complex expositionary dictionary says that the number 10, if you have a strong, it's 1176. If you have a strong dictionary, okay, just go online and just type in Bible Hub, sword, blue um, Bible Hub, sword, um, blue letter. Right. The word 10 is the word deca. Deca, D-E-K-A, -E Deca. It's a very significant number. It's used 248 times in the Bible and means the measure of human responsibility. Are you hearing that? It's used 248 times and it means the measure of your responsibility. So the reason why 10 will use is because the writer is letting us understand it is your responsibility. Justification is his responsibility. Sanctification is your responsibility with the Lord. Alright? It also means completion. Okay? Now, catch this. The virgin means unmarried woman and what is called fromiros. Fromiros. P-H-R-O-M-I-R-O-S. Fromiros. The word fromiros is from the word fen. P-H-E-N. Do you have it there? P-H-E-N. Same word used as wise. So much used as wise. As I begin to round up now quickly, the word friend is the word from the word fromirus, which means wise, which means a virgin. The other one called morus, take it there, is from where you get the word moron, which means foolish. Church, look at my eyes. The five foolish virgins were not foolish because they didn't have light. They were foolish because they didn't have an extra. The word extra is a word in the Greek I'm going to give you in a moment. It's called etiomos. I'm coming there quickly. I'm skipping some things here just so that if, if I had the time, I'd give you the full picture. I want to talk briefly. How many minutes more? Ten, five? Thirty seconds. Okay. Let me end with the importance of preparation. Hear what I have to write now. There were two types of garments in the Bible. There is a garment of righteousness. You'll find that one is the one that is given to you, Isaiah was explained. But there's another garment that is a reward for your faithfulness. All right, let's read this quickly. At the end of the parable of the ten virgins, Christ turned to those who were listening and said, Watch, be ready, be prepared, for you know not the hour that the Son of Man cometh. You find that in verse 13 of chapter 23, 25. We can see from the parable and others the importance that God puts on watching. Be ready and be prepared for, the, is for his soon coming. The word preparation has two Greek distinct meanings. And that's the reason why I want you guys to start reading with the Greek. There's, get some book, go online, go on YouTube and learn some things and know what it means. So one word can mean a lot of things. And that's why when I preach, I try to give you meanings. For instance, I can preach on, on love, but we need to know what kind of love. Is it agape? Is it eros? Is it philia and all that? So it, it helps you. So in the Greek, there are two words for preparation. And this will blow your mind. One of the words is called etiomos. H-E-T-O-I-M-O-S. Etiomos. Oh, thank you. Et, etoimos, rather. 
which means internal preparation. Atomos, it is your own preparation. Okay? This is the one that makes you marriageable. There is another one called kataskauzo. Put it out there. Don't bite your lip. Which means external preparation. These two are necessary. Kataskauzo is the one that Christ puts on you that gives you access to heaven. Atoimus is the one that you do that gives you access to the wedding banquet. Two types of garments. Amen. The first definition, etoimos, which means internal preparation, is the one we are most interested in. It means man's self-preparation. It means man's readiness. Amen. It means your own readiness. Right? It means to be morally fit, internally prepared. Find that in Luke 1, there's a lot of scriptures there, I won't go there. You know, now the dictionary of the word etiomos refers to something already existing in a state that fits in its purpose. Its use in scripture seems to always be in association with man's preparation and readiness to meet with God. So whenever you find the word etiomos in the Bible, it, 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 it speaks of man's own part in God's full design. Does that make sense? So man and God are engaged in this. This is called the partaker, the metokoi. We are partakers with the Lord. Okay? So this preparation is you preparing like, like, like prayers. You know some prayers, tefillah. Actually, the word tefillah in the Hebrew means meeting God halfway. That's the word tefillah in the, in the Hebrew for prayer. All right? Okay. In like manner, in the parable of the third virgins, those who were ready and prepared went into the ceremony. Those who were not ready did not. Internal preparation entails continually washing ourselves, putting off our sin and self, being refilled with the Holy Spirit, producing works of righteousness, which is a white linen wedding garment. Etiomus is a white linen. Somebody say white linen. The Bible writes of the church in Sardis in Revelation chapter number 2. Bible said this church, this church is the overcoming church because it's kept our garment white. Amen. It's not enough to just spray some gushy. We don't need um, balance. Okay. Okay. All right. It's not enough to just put on surface perfumes and cosmetics and oils. We must allow the Lord to complete the inward beautification process that will ultimately produce the fruits he is looking for in each of our lives. God is building us according to his plans, not our plan. Our job is to make appropriate choices to allow him to construct the temples of our bodies according to his will. Now the second word, remember the first garment, etoimus, is your own your own rights, living for the things of God. The second one, kataskauzo. Has to do with external preparation, which means, uh, which has to do with external preparedness, means human preparation for God's saving act. Do you understand this right now? Kataskauzo is when you come to the Lord as your savior. 
He saves you and gives you a garment. Isaiah 60 verse 1. I won't spend too much time here. Isaiah 60 verse 1. Let's see what it says in Isaiah 60. I believe I have the scripture. Did I give you Isaiah 60? If I didn't give you, then that's not the scripture. I think I have a scripture for that. One second. Not that one. I'll get a scripture in a moment. I think I missed the scripture somewhere here. Now, Paul, to, I don't know going to put us a lot now. Like so other principles in the Bible, the term preparation has to aspect. God is preparing a suitable place for us in heaven. That one is called kataskauzu. So there are two garments in the Bible. There's a garment of righteousness. Amen. The garment of righteousness is what God gives to us and gives us access to heaven. But the other garment called etiomus is how we willfully, deliberately do not allow sin to rule over our lives. Amen. Amen. The five foolish virgins were shot out of the wedding banquet because they weren't prepared. They weren't experientially sanctified. That's the reason why. They weren't partakers of Christ's life and thus they weren't overcomers. For them, the race was over. They could have earned the place of God's sovereignty in the coming kingdom, but they did not. Right? And it's interesting we talk about you know, being prepared and being not prepared. But I believe that these are words that will help us. Inheriting the millionaire kingdom from the Lord and careening with him is conditional. It is conditioned upon our personal preparation here on earth. See, what you become in heaven depends on how you live on earth. How you, you will reign with Jesus in heaven depends on how you love on earth. Where you be in heaven, your position in heaven depends on how you live on earth. And this is the part I want to make that I have already said might be a bit funny for a lot of you. We are all the body of Christ now. We are all potential brides now. But we will not all become a wife. The qualification for being wifed, if that's the right word, is dependent on, on your sanctification on the earth. You cannot allow your oil run out and expect to be in the wedding banquet. For some people, they reproduce oil. It's called the infilling of his spirit. Why for others, they run out of oil and they don't want to even reconsider refilling again. The truth is that you're going to go to heaven. But the bad is that you will, you know, <laughs> you know, I, I think of it sometimes when we all get into, where we are in the millennium with Jesus, how you will see your fellow believer by the street of heaven, if there's, if there's any picture like that. Just imagine blind Bartimaeus in heaven. Just imagine your fellow believer who came to church with you and sang with you and did ocean with you and prayed with you. And in heaven, they are like paupers. And just imagine the picture of you having mansions in heaven. And then you see your fellow believer who is actually in the cold in heaven. Why? Because I don't have a house. Why? I didn't live sanctified. We're, going to see, we're all going to see ourselves in heaven. One thing we have in common is that we're going to go to heaven together. But one thing we don't have in common, we will not be equal in heaven. And your levels in heaven is dependent on how you sacrifice here. The only thing that qualifies us, Caleb, is our ability to embrace crushing. The five that did not have oil, they were afraid of Gethsemane. 
They were afraid of the crushing. They didn't have extra oil. There is beauty in our pain. The time is going to come when you realize that I went through this pain because God was preparing something for me. So, whom much is given, much is required. So, as it gets harder in your Christian race, you know you don't give that guy back a But you won't give them back a slap because you know that God, oh Lord, help me right now. God is crushing you. There are things that you know that you are in the right. But because you are being crushed, you say, no problem, I agree. God is crushed. Gethsemane is not hard. It's not easy. Even Jesus in Gethsemane, he would say, please pray for me. He came and met his disciples and he was sleeping. Can you not please tarry one hour? Gethsemane means you're crushing. We don't like it. Where you know that you are in the right, but you have to love them by fire by force. Gethsemane. Where sometimes, you know sometimes, you know God saved my mouth, you know. I'm not joking. When I was not saved, this mouth. <laughs> I don't need to even cost it back. Just one word. You just dig around and enter. <laughs> but sometimes when people do you some, some stuff, you look at them and look at them. Especially when this, you know what they call kikere, kikere, small, small, small thing. Talking back out to you. <laughs> but you look, at, you look at people messing up your name, talking bad about you. You look at them like this one, I would just crush my hand like this, just crush it like this. But you have to look at them and laugh and say, well, it's well, it's fine. Gethsemane. Gethsemane was, it's when people wrong you and want you to beg them. And guess what you do? Beg them. Gethsemane. It is hard, but it is necessary. The five that were foolish, were only called morals. They were ready. They were Christians, but they were not prepared. And what, keep, what makes you prepared is that, that word, the pressing. And I'm going to ask you this as I end this today. I'm not going to ask you if you're ready because I know you're ready. But are you prepared? The ten women were all ready. Five were prepared. The question today, I'm not asking if you are rapturable because you are. You're going to go to heaven because you love Jesus. You're going to go to heaven because you are the virgin. You're going to go to heaven. But what would it look like when God selects and says, you, 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 out of ten people, God calls you, five of you, come, 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 come. Uh, let me see your lamp. No oil. Oh, stay back. You're in heaven, though. You've, 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 you've entered, but you haven't inherited. And then the church comes, is presented to Jesus in, in Ephesians as a virgin. And you're not in the number. You are in the body but not the bride. Then you see your brethren in church who said sorry to you when you were wrong. The one whom you've cursed out but still love on you, being part of the bridal train or bridal whatever, and you are just the body looking at them, outer darkness looking at the window. Oh my God. The guy that you cursed out that didn't curse you back is part of the bride and you are part of the body. The one that was right and you were wrong and he took the blame for you, part of the bride and you are the body. The one that took the insult and knew that he was actually right and you were wrong. That's for you. The one who would have done some stuff that everyone does, but because he's a Christian, he believes that that is against God. He had to compromise and suffer certain things that you enjoy there. Everything that you do on the earth will qualify you as a bride. Our body rise upon your feet. If this, you haven't reflected on this at all, I don't know what else. 
What qualified all of them for heaven was virgin. What qualified them for marriage was oil. What qualified all of them for heaven was the virgin, the church. That was what the father took the son to. My son likes your daughter. And then they exchange their vows in heaven. However, the wedding is conditional to your sanctification. And the question I want to ask you today, are you living the life of the Spirit? No, no, you don't need to lie and tell me yes or no. You know yourself. I'm not saying you won't go to heaven. Are you living the life of the Spirit? I know you are ready, but are you prepared? For the next 60 seconds, think about your life. And are you in the will of the Father? Are you producing fruits that remains? Where is the work of righteousness in your hands? Are you living the life of the Spirit? Are you walking in the Spirit so you don't fulfill the desires of the flesh? Are you? Are you in the will of God? Are you? Close your eyes for the next 50 seconds and think about your life. And ask yourself a question. When, if the Lord comes today and comes to marry church, would I be part of the bride? Would I be part of the bride or I just be in heaven as a body? Would I be part of the bride? Would I be? Would I be? Would he come and say, you are my bride. I've remained you. I've made you a chaste virgin. Will he say that to you? Will he say that to you? Take out a moment, 30 more seconds, and think of your life. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in the holy living and godliness, looking for the hastening unto the coming of the day of God, in which the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, in which dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spots and blameless. Second Peter 3, verse 11 to 14. Not as though I had already attained, neither were already perfect, but I follow after. If that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended for Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark of the prize of the higher calling in Christ Jesus. This is what we are church. That we press toward the mark of Christ which is the higher calling. This is a time to go beyond the nominal church and press into the higher calling. The higher calling of righteous living. The higher calling of walking in the spirit. The higher calling of living in faith. The higher calling of loving the things of God. No more malice in the church. No more backbiting in the church. No more pain in the act of the believers. But we press to be better. The higher calling. Open up your mouth and say, God forgive me. I'm going to be a better Christian. I want 
want to press beyond. I want to press beyond. Not just to be rapturable, but God to be indeed a bride worthy. A bride worthy. A bride worthy. A bride worthy. You've got 60 seconds. Lord, to be worthy. To be a bride. 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 I am ready. I am ready to be a bride. Ready. 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 I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to be a bride. Come on, church. I'm ready. Don't hold it back. We are pressing. Pressing. I'm pressing. I'm pressing. I'm pressing. I'm pressing. I'm pressing. Yes, Lord, we want to be better. And if you know you are here, and you know that you are not living your best for the Lord, you know that you are slacking, you don't need to be ashamed, just raise up your hands, I want to pray with you. You know that you're not giving God your hundred. You can be a better believer. Yes, you're a Christian, but you are lacking, you are slacking. Yes, you love God, but something is not working. You can be a better believer. You know that you've drawn out. You've drawn out from God. This is the time to rededicate our lives. If you are here, lift up your hands, I want to pray for you. It is time to rededicate your lives. You don't have to be ashamed. It's a time to say, God, we are ready. In the year 2023, we are ready. We are ready. If you're watching online, yes, you are ready. It's time to be ready. It's time to be ready. Yes, we are ready. Yes, we are ready. Yes, we are ready. Yes, we are ready. Look upon us, oh God. Look upon us, oh God. While your hands are up, I want to pray with you. This is us rededicating our lives again as a church. We don't want to be just rapturable. We want to be ready for your return. We want to be ready when you come. Not just in heaven, but also in the other wedding ceremony. We want to be with you at the wedding ceremony. Yes, Lord, we know that we are saved, but we want to be with you forever. I pray this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I come before you today and I ask that you forgive me. I want to be a better Christian. I want to be a better believer. I want to be a chaste virgin. Cleanse me, O God, from all unrighteousness. Cleanse me, O God, from my past. Cleanse me, O God, from my sins. Cleanse me, O God, from my transgression. This prayer will save you. Cleanse me, O God, from my mess. I come before you, O God, as a chaste bride. Look upon me, O God. Say, have mercy upon me, O God. 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 Say, I am brand new. I'm living a life of the Spirit. Say, thank you, Lord. Say, thank you, Lord. Say, thank you, Lord. Say, thank you, Lord. I'm a new man in Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
we are born again thank you lord thank you lord jesus i present everyone here father before you whose hands are lifted high lord we join faith with them and we say father that we want to be bride as well. We not just be rapture, but also the bride. Ready with a spot, without blemish, without wrinkles. But we are ready. We are ready. We are ready. We are ready. Say to your neighbor, we are ready. We are ready. We are ready. We are ready. Say we are ready. 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 Hallelujah. As I end this. Look at your neighbor. I say in the year in the year 2023. Say be ready to live righteously. To live righteously. Say be ready for his return. Say 2023. Walk in the spirit. Say 2023. Be a student of the word. Say 2023. Live the life of the spirit. Say yes, Lord. Say yes, Lord. Say yes, Lord. Say yes, Lord.